Welcome to the teaching ministry of Faith Bible Church. We pray as you listen to the following message, you will be encouraged and equipped to passionately pursue Christ. For more information, please visit our website at fbcevansville.com. I think most of you are aware that I am um, one of the elders here at Faith Bible Church. It's been my joy and pleasure to be able to serve this congregation for the last, I think it's around 13, 14 years, something like that. I was asking Mary Beth when that happened. Um, I don't have a, I didn't get a t-shirt when that happened. I didn't get a certificate, but uh, I, it, I was brought up front. They prayed for me, so I know that happened. So uh, anyway, I since we started attending this church and uh, once we joined here at Faith Bible Church, um, I, all that time we have been blessed, I have been blessed specifically to be a, a part of a lot of neat different ministry here. Um, I think about all the different relationships and friendships that I have made. You know, having a, a job that, that travels, I think there's always the potential at some point, who knows if that's true or not, but you know, that, that they could move you to a different city, a town or something like that. And, and always the first thing is, so what would we, you know, it's not really the job for me and it's not really finding the house or what the, what's in the town, but it's like a church and who would we spend our time with? What would life look like there? You know, we've got kids in school, and that's a concern, but I, I think about that all the time. Like, what would that be? I don't know, you know? Um, I think about all the teaches I've had, uh, teaches, see, this sleep, all the classes I've been able to teach, and um, being able to lead a small group. This has been a, a, a wonderful opportunity there, and you know, one of the things that, like, there's been ups, there's been downs, but God has been faithful through that all. But that that isn't my job. You know, I was just saying that, like, as a, being here, a member of Faith Bible Church, one of the leaders here, and then my job, it's not my job to do this. Some of you also may be aware that, that I am a corporate pilot. Uh, I found uh, for a company that's based over in uh, Mount Vernon, Indiana, and my title there is uh, Chief Pilot. I like saying that because it's like chief cook and bottle washer, you know, it's really about all that means is that I get to deal with paperwork and the interaction with the FAA, the federal government, as far as it comes with uh, enforcements and regulations, employee management, oversight, uh, and airplane maintenance. I know now this is starting to sound like, hey, I'm looking for a job. I'm not. I'm not. I travel a lot for my job. I like it when I am traveling and I'm in a hotel, you know, at a restaurant or whatever, you know, you start a conversation with someone, and they say, hey, do you, do you travel much for work? And it's like, that's my job, to travel. Like, if I'm not doing my job, like, I'm not doing anything. The, uh, I think pre-COVID, which is like, ugh, I'm kind of sick and tired of using that terminology, but pre-COVID, I could say that I traveled about three to four days a week on average. Um, some were just day trips, others were overnight trips. Um, but now things are like more scattered and less structured and, um, you know, so it's always kind of, someone says, how much do you travel? I'm like, a lot. I don't know, you know. I do love to travel. I love seeing new places. It's one of the th reasons I wanted to become a pilot was to be able to go places and see things, visit new cities. Um, I love trying uh, new restaurants, trying different types of foods, um, and I love what I do. 
I love um, flying. I love the, the part of flying. I um, had a flight instructor that um, when we would, when I was learning to fly by the instruments, you know, just looking at this, you didn't look outside. Each time we would do that, we'd come and we'd land, and he genuinely was like, it worked again. And I was like, it, well, I hope so. <laughs> I just did it by flying by the instrument, so I hope it does. But he was, that was uh, exciting. But, but being gone from family and from friends, um, the ministry here, that can get tiresome at times. It can, it can get overwhelming. But there is a certain time of year um, that I look forward to taking a trip. Um, it's certain time of year when if someone says, will you take a trip? I'm going to take a trip. I'm going to be gone. I know I'm going to be gone from my family, but, but I'm going to take it. Um, we're actually getting close to that time right now. Um, you may be familiar with it. It's the time of year when all those Christmas Hallmark movies are on. You know, it's cold and snowy or icy because we're in southern Indiana. We spend more time in the house Right? And see, it seems like my wife has one of those shows on all the time. It's like in the background. It's just background noise of these Hallmark movies. And when my boys were little, I'd come back from a trip and the boys were telling me about these Hallmark movies. I was like, you've got to stop watching that. <laughs> you boys, like, go out and play in the ice. It's, uh, it's much better for you than watching that, right? Um, but you know exactly if you've seen a Hallmark movie... All you have to do is scene one, and you've seen them all. Like, you know exactly what the storyline is, right? I'm, I'm convinced that they have three storylines. Essentially, it's these three shows, and they just change the names and actors. And actually, most of the time, they don't even change the actors. It's the same people. It's a, they're, they remake them over and over, and they just change names and the names of the actors and the names of the town. You know, I, I grew up with three sisters. I was the oldest, had three younger sisters. So I'm used to having like these romantic comedies on and uh, occasionally I do like them. Maybe not as much as Nate Cottle. You know, that was uh, at his wedding. They said that he really liked rom-coms, which I thought was funny. But uh, I can enjoy one of those every, every once in a while. But over all the predictability that lower budget style and acting, the, the thing that really gets to me is how they resolve the issues in the show. I mean, without a doubt, this is how they resolve the issue, right? Uh, it's not just in Hallmark movies, but, but it's like front and center in a Hallmark movie, right? We see this all over the media, all over Hollywood and music, social networks. You see it in schools. But in the Hallmark movie, you have some small town girl running some little shop on the square off of Main Street. She may or may not be in a relationship, but inevitably this handsome guy from the big city comes in and he wrecks some kind of havoc in her world, right? Maybe he runs the big business that's going to shut her down and make her little mom and pop obsolete with his big Walmart style business or maybe he's down on his luck and he needs some help and when she spends some time with him on his new farm she gets all the heart eyes right with him 
And no matter what the case is, she comes to this point in the movie where she's talking about all these feelings she has for this guy. She's talking about him with her best friend or her mom or her sister. And she says she's torn over what to do. And always, inevitably, the friend will say something like, so what's your heart telling you? Or she'll say, this doesn't have to be a tough decision. Just follow your heart. Or when I couldn't decide what to do about Ben or Garrett or Tristan, you, you gave me the best advice. It's time you took your own advice. What is your heart saying to you? It won't lead you astray. Just look at our happy life. You deserve a happy life like that too. It's like, gag me. Ugh. These shows always end with her following her heart. She doesn't get hurt. They get married in a snowy field and live happily ever after. Right? Now, I know some of you ladies are like, this sounds wonderful. I love the Hallmark movies. I can't wait. I know, it's a problem. No, no. <laughs> I say all that because the, chap the title of our chapter today is Don't Dare Follow Your Heart. You know, Brad says in this chapter, at the root of idolatry is a lack of trusting God. Here's the bottom line. Are you going to worship God, follow God, and, or tr and trust God? Or are you going to cling to your idols and build your world around them? We go other places besides God. We cling to other things and people and circumstances for our security. It isn't just unbelievers who don't trust God. Often believers don't really trust him either. So easily and so quickly, our trust drifts. It has to be continually renewed and put back in the right spot. Trust is always drifting, and it never drifts toward God. It's always away from him and toward our idols. And your and my failure to trust God doesn't just affect our relationship with God. It affects how you respond to your spouse and your kids what you do and how you respond to health problems or how you respond to financial setbacks or what's happening in the government or schools. It affects all those things. Your failure to trust God has implications on how you respond to a meddling coworker, an overbearing boss. It affects how you respond to your expectations for the church for the church leaders, your fellow Christians that you go to church with. What you want, what you think, and what you say to yourself in your heart makes the difference. Remember that an idol is anything or anyone that begins to capture our hearts, our minds, and or our affections more than God. So when we're talking about our heart, what exactly is it that we're talking about? You ever heard um, uh, Rene Descartes? He has this famous first principle of his that said, you know, he had a the first principle of his philosophy that was translated into English. It says, I think, 
therefore I am. We've probably heard that, that statement before. You know, he's a, um, it's a fundamental element of Western philosophy that this came from Rene Descartes. It was supposed to provide a certain foundation of knowledge that was in contradiction to doubt. We doubt, so this is the way to contradict that. Um, as a philosopher, he was striving to make sense of who he was and what his world is that we live in. He wasn't a believer, but he was looking for meaning and worth and purpose in life. So he had this idea that if we have thought, that must mean that we have, that we are, right? We have meaning. It's, it's who, it's, it, it proves that we're not in the matrix, right? That there is actual purpose, uh, um, who we are. But he was kind of right, right? Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as he thinks in his heart, <coughs> so is he. So it's something along those lines that in our hearts, as we think, as we process life, what's going on in our heart is really the way that we are. What's going on inside of us is really who we are. You all have been in a scenario or a situation where what you were saying or acting or being around someone was not really how you felt inside. We've all been there, right? What truly is it going on inside is really what, what is. You know, someone says, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Reality, I'm not doing great, right? But we put on a face, we put on a mask. There's all kinds of reasons for that. I'm not saying that's necessarily idol worship. I'm just saying what's going on inside of us is really what it is how we are. And you know those Hallmark movies, they, they get it so wrong that the absolute worst advice sounds right, doesn't it? To follow your heart. Just follow that. You can turn on the radio if anyone does that anymore or flip on Spotify or Pandora and the music is spewing that same kind of nonsense of it's, it's just all wrapped up in this. Follow your heart. They've even stopped saying that, you know, it's like, follow your dreams. What's your passion? You know, and I'm not saying like, duh, we can't have passions, but, but really uh, oftentimes following your passion really is following whatever it is that you want to do what you want to do, right? But the Bible teaches that your heart will lead you into sin and away from God. We shouldn't listen to our hearts, but instead we should listen to God's word because remember Jeremiah 17, 9, what it says, the heart is what? Wicked and deceiving, right? Proverbs 28, 26 says, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be delivered. The world keeps pointing us back to the heart. Here's the interesting thing. The Bible does too. The world and the Bible point us to the heart, but there is a big difference. The Bible points us to the heart with a very different mission. When the world is saying, let your heart be your guide, follow it, the Bible is saying, look to your heart and direct it towards God's ways. Go to your heart to inspect it and direct it, but don't 
you dare follow it. The Bible says go to the heart to rein it in. Don't go to hear, don't go to your heart to listen. Instead, go there talking and speaking truth from God's word. The heart is deceptive. It's deceitful above all things. It's desperately wicked. Who can know it? If that is the condition of our heart, then listening to it and following it is a fool's errand. The book of Proverbs lists three things that we're supposed to do with our heart. We should guide it, guard it, and then don't follow it. And we see this here. Proverbs 23, 19 first. It says, hear my son and be wise and guide your heart in the way. You know, the ESV doesn't say guide it, it says direct it. The world would have you believe that we don't have control over our heart. It does its own thing. Buckle up. We're just on there for, for the ride. Sadly, that can be true, that we don't direct it, that we don't have control, and we do just ride it. But we have the ability to do that. God's word says we are to guide and direct our hearts. We have a responsibility to do that. The second thing, Proverbs 4.23 says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for, for from it flow the springs of life. You watch over it like you're guarding it, like you're on the, um, the wall of the city watching over what's coming, what's inside. You're, you're keeping watch. As your heart goes, so you go. And this is tough to do because it goes against the grain to, of naturally what we want to do, right? But we must cu- keep watch over our heart and we must guide it. Find out, what's God's, find out what God's word says and whether you like it or not, whether it seems right or not, you need to take your heart and you need to move it in the direction in which God's word says you are to go. Lastly, it says, one who trusts in his own heart is a fool. That should say, but one, not a bot. But one who walks wisely will flee to safely. Safety, excuse me. We are to guide our hearts and guard them, but we aren't to trust them. Our hearts are not our friend. They lead us down the wrong path and make us fools. Pastor Brad says in this chapter, in fact, the Bible tells you to maintain a healthy suspicion toward your heart while maintaining a powerful respect and appreciation for God's word a steadfast submission to God's word ask yourself what should I do in this situation how should I handle it what's God's word say don't listen to your heart your heart will tell you run away this is no fun this is hard or it'll say something like go for it it's what you want it's going to make you happy And that's where we are in our culture today. Everybody following his or her own heart, and it makes a big, fat mess of life. Listening to your heart's going to lead you to, from one relationship to another, right? It's how we get into falling in love and falling out of love, right? I'm just not feeling it anymore. 
one job to the next, one disaster to the next, no end in sight. Guide your heart, guard it, but don't follow it. So the question we need to look at really is then, why is the heart such a mess and so given to idols? We need to understand the why. You know, we, we, we don't often think about why we do what we do. I just did it, but, but why did I end up doing that? Your heart is the processing and sorting center for everything you do and everything you'll become. It's like it is our control center. It's, it's what we do. It's, it's, it's how we process life. Okay? So, if we look at life, we've got, I didn't come up, stimuli, or these are our circumstances, things that are going on. You, you can't keep life from happening around you. It's going to happen. Life happens, right? Then there used to be a t-shirt that said life happens. Actually, I don't think it said life then. Anyway, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> The idea is that it's always happening. There are always things going on around us. We, we live in this world. There's going to be good things. There's going to be bad things. There's going to be things that are right. There's going to be things that are wrong. You are going, you have a job. And when you go to that job, things are happening, right? You go there one day and life, going the way life goes. The next day you go, things are different just the way it happens, right? We're in relationships. We are around people. People are talking to us. We're talking to them. We are spending time with them. They're not spending time with us. What's going on? All these things are happening. You have a vehicle or you don't have a vehicle. Things, it breaks, it doesn't. We've got all this stuff that's going on in our culture, government, politics, all the things around the world. There's health issues, your sports team, last season was great. They traded the main player. Now things are not so good. The TV show that you watch, you know, all of these things, it's just life. It just happens. But that, because these, this circumstances stimuli, life is happening around us, we respond to that. Our heart wants to make sense of it all. Whether we actually take the time to think, how do I make sense of this? Sits down and do that. Our heart is thinking. You see the heart around there. Our thinking happens in our heart. Oftentimes we point to our head because we're thinking, we're thinking in our head. But, oh, and, and that's fine. That, that I'm not saying that doesn't happen. I just, but our thinking really comes from when we say our heart, the process center, our control center of our life, that's where thinking comes from. We're always thinking it is always happening whether we realize it or not. We are interpreters. I don't know if you know this, but God has designed us to be interpreters. We interpret life. We interpret sunshine, rain. And we interpret differently. As people, we interpret differently. Some of us really like it when it's a snowy day. Others don't. Right? We are always taking what's going on, processing it. You know, we're not animals. Animals, they eat, they sleep, they poop, they breathe, that's it, right? They're just staying alive. And I know some of you dog owners are looking like, oh, isn't he sweet? He just loves me. 
He doesn't, right? I know he, they, they have some kind of connection with their humans, but they don't think and act the way we do. They're not concerned about how you responded to your job, right? They don't care about those things, right? But we aren't content just to stay alive, right? We want to know why things are the way they are. We want to know why things are happening. And we interpret those things. And our heart never stops trying to make sense of all of it. It's always doing that. Now, I remember when one of my boys was little, I'll give you this example. Uh, I was telling a story, or I was telling my wife about how I had to go to my annual uh, checkup for um, uh, my health checkup, and I had to get some blood drawn. So we're talking about uh, the, the things I was on, some medication that were helping some of those things. And so we had to get this blood drawn to be able to figure out are, are the numbers where they're supposed to be? Is everything going great? You know, is that, do I need to change my medication? Can I get off the medication? But, you know, and it, just talking about that. And, and um, I remember putting him to bed and um, he says, um, he's real little. I don't, I'm not sure he was even in school yet, so maybe around kindergarten age or something like that. And he says that when he grows up, he wants to be a doctor. And I was like, oh, that's great. Yeah, that's a, that's a good thing to be a, a doctor. And so we're just kind of talking about that. Why do you want to be a doctor? And he says, well, just like the doctor is going to draw your blood, I love drawing. And I want to draw blood. And I want to figure out by my drawings what's wrong with people. And I was like, isn't that cute? <laughs> now, the funny thing is, right, we, we recognize the drawing is the, the same word, but it has a different meaning. But he was interpreting what he heard. He was interpreting life. And from his perspective, he really enjoyed art and drawing and hearing those things. He, he, but he didn't make the connection. He got the wrong interpretation even hearing the same thing with the same circumstances there. We are no different. We are always trying to put the pieces together. We're not content at just seeing puzzle pieces laying there. We want to see how they fit together. And we want to see what the picture is that these pieces make. Whether it's the picture it's supposed to be or the picture we make it, if we're trying to jam the piece in, right? But the problem is, just like my son, we don't always make the correct conclusions. That heart around thinking, that's what the Bible teaches. When the Bible uses the words like desire or motives or motivations, it's, it's talking about our thinking, in our heart, in your heart, is really who you are. It's what you really want. It's what you say to yourself. If you read the Bible, you'll hear, you'll read um, the words heart and mind. It uses those interchangeably. And whether we're conscious of it or not, we are always telling ourselves something. We are talking to ourselves. We are assessing and evaluating and thinking at an incredible rate throughout our days. 
I've, I've wanted at some point to figure that out. How many thoughts can I think in a day? Not, not like try and get that many, but how could I go back and see how many thoughts actually happened in that day? It's impossible. There's no way we could do that. Um, because really, here's what would happen. You try and start writing them down, and thoughts are coming too quick for you even to, to put them down, right? Um, we are just always thinking. You're always telling yourself something. This isn't fair. This doesn't make sense. This shouldn't be happening to me. Oh, they deserve that. I didn't like this. I do like this. You know, when we are thinking, we don't live by the facts of the things around us. We don't. The stimuli in our life, our circumstances, that's what's going on. Just the facts, ma'am. We don't live by them, but we live by our interpretation of those facts. We process those facts and react to them. Now, I'm breaking this down where we can say this, then this, then this, but we all know this happens like that, faster than that, right? But we got to break it down and how, how, this, how this happens, right? We do what we do because we want what we want, Right? That comes from James 4. We've talked about that a little bit. And we want what we want because we think what we think. We're thinking these things and that's giving us these wants or those desires. This thinking and the desires, they're, they're the same. They're, they're happening there. Our, our actions are this outflow of what we are feeding our hearts. That heart, it's the control center. It's the processing. That's why when we sin, it is never random. Now, it may seem like it came out of nowhere, but it didn't. I talked about me being a, a pilot. One of the things that pilots do, especially when you're training, but even as you continue to go on as in your career, it seems morbid, is that we, we study airplane crashes. It's not morbid. Nobody wants to really study that stuff. It's, it's awful. But the reason that we do that is to figure out why it happened, okay? And so you can, people that have a fear of flying always think, you know, one of the things they say is, well, I'm just scared that the airplane's going to fall apart and we're all going to crash and die. Well, it, that just doesn't happen. Um, or they'll say that the engine will quit and we're just going to crash and die. Well, that rarely happens, very rarely. But if you look at when they do all of the inspections and the um, back of the investigations, that's what I was looking for. Uh, when they do the investigations of a crash, the airplane actually crashing and all that stuff is a, the tiniest part of the whole picture. Typically, here's what happens. They go back weeks for the life of the pilots and figure out what was going on. And what you, they have found nearly 100% of the time, except for some kind of catastrophic manu, ma, manufacturing failure, um, is that there was something going on in that pilot's life that he did not handle well or made the wrong choice or something, and then that led to this decision, to this decision, to this decision, and it just multiplied to the point that when something went wrong, he did not handle it well, he didn't respond rightly, and it resulted in a crash. When there have been phys um, yeah, physical problems with an airplane, you know, a manufacturing issue or something ma maintenance related, it is because 
most of the time. There have been something where they saw a problem and they didn't fix it or they did something to just band-aid it and uh, somebody said that they did do the inspection, they didn't do the inspection and it just it snowballs until an accident happens. That's how, we, that's how we operate. You come home, the kids ask you to do something and you blow up. It wasn't because the kid asked you to do something because there's been this process going on in your mind. Maybe it has been a, a time where the child's been disobedient and you haven't dealt with that well. Maybe you haven't done the, the proper discipline or training. Or when you've done it, you've also then been weak on that and you discipline for sometimes the same thing and other times you don't. We're inconsistent, right? And so I just want something and I'm not getting it, right? results in this blow-up. It wasn't just the kid asking, right? So our thinking leads to emotions. Our feelings feed off of our thinking. Based on what you are thinking, you start experiencing fear or anxiety or worry or depression, envy, anger, name an emotion. It's going to happen. Thinking is the fuel that feeds your emotions. You don't just randomly have that outburst right? You don't just randomly break down in tears. I know there, as a side note, there are some physical issues. There are some health-related things that do cause some of that. Check that out. That's not what I'm talking about. The majority of the time, that is not what, what the issue is. You were already thinking something in your heart long before you felt something or acted on it. Emotions are heart indicators to alert us that there's a problem Emotions signal to us that something is wrong and we start looking everywhere else, blaming other people, blaming our circumstances, even blaming those emotions themselves. But it's us. Now, I, I, just as a side note about emotions, sometimes we have this tendency to say that because I'm living by my emotions and, and I'm, I'm a, an emotional wreck, emotions are bad. Well, that's not true. God gave us emotions. God experiences emotions. We're made in the image of God, right? Emotions are not sin in and of themselves, typically. But they, they can be, and they can be indicators of sin in our lives. So we don't want to totally avoid emotion. We don't want to say, oh, I'm experiencing this emotion, so I need to stop having emotions. Men typically will do this, right? They become this emotional, like, blah, because you don't want to experience emotion, Right? And it is a, it's a defense mechanism, and it isn't good. Now, don't start becoming some whiny crybaby like this. I don't mean that, but we, we, gotta, we have to have a balance. It has to be, it's this pendulum, and we have this tendency to go one side of the pendulum or the other. All emotion, no emotion, right? We got to somehow find that balance, and life is, it's difficult in life to find that balance. I understand that. So, we have... Circumstances around us, we're thinking about those things, we're processing, processing them, leads to our emotions, which then leads to our actions. We do something about it, okay? Actions flow directly out of our thinking and how we're feeling. This happens. Then we continue to think, continue to have emotions, continue to have actions, and the circle just keeps going because this is life. This is just life. I'm not talking about a problem here. This is just how we process life, right? The TEA, thinking, emotions, actions, thinking, emotions, actions, thinking, emotions, actions. 
that keeps going. Thinking, emotions, actions. Thinking, emotions, actions. Okay? And eventually, it becomes our character. As we keep on this process, that becomes our character. Right? As you continue to think and emote and act in the same direction, your character will be shaped by the dominant pattern of your heart. Now, let me, show you, let me tell you something. Let me give you an example. We all have experienced anger. We all have gotten angry at some point for some reason over something. But I wouldn't say we're all angry people. Right? An angry person. We all know somebody that you would label as that's an angry person. Because the smallest thing triggers a big blow up. Right? It's just who they are. That's what they say. It's just who I am. I can't help it. Angry. It's because they followed that process. They haven't dealt with that the right way. Or, another example is being afraid. You have people that walk up to the edge of a tall building and they're afraid. Good, you should be. You could slip and fall over it, right? That is a healthy fear. That's part of those things. But, but then you also have fearful people that are afraid of everything. It's that as they've processed life, They've thought about it, the emotions, they start acting on that, and it becomes their character, that they are fearful, and they're fearful of everything. Not just fearful of a rabid, angry dog, but they're fearful of all, all of things. Maybe this will help. Think about our heart, okay? And on our heart, we have all these pressures pushing on it. Can you read that there? I, I have like... Satan does some things. Sin is on our hearts. Sickness and suffering. Sinful people being sinned against. There's outside pressures. There's all kinds of things that are being, putting pressure on our heart. And at some point, as we're dealing with that, ang um, anxiety, excuse me, and anger may build up. We start to experience some anxiety, some anger. And when we experience that, what do we want? We want to begin looking for um, where we can find refuge. How can I get relief from this? Okay, I've got these pressures. That's just life, right? This is not something necessarily I've done to myself. It's just because we live life and we've got these pressures. And, and whatever it is, this anxiety and anger builds up, right? And so we want to we, we find some relief from that. I don't want it. So as they build up at this anger and anxiety, we start to handle this stress in some way. We are going to something. We can go to God. We can go to idol worship. If we choose idol worship, this continues to build and build. So then what we look for for relief is found in sex or food, pornography, shopping, exercise, something that could be good, but we, we find our, we place our hope in that. We put hobbies, that's where we're finding our relief, or other people, or work, or just sleeping, or drugs, entertainment, avoiding it all together, trying to get away. It's, there's all kinds of things that we do for that relief that, that we try and feed these idols it's that idol worship. As the pressures in life, we are always in pressure-filled circumstances. There's going to be things that, that come up. 
So how we, do, how we think about those things and those emotions, and I know here's typically what will happen. This is why I said that the emotions are kind of like the, the alert system for us. We don't often recognize how we're thinking about things until the emotion happens, right? I got angry. Why did I get angry, right? I don't ever think, oh, as I'm thinking about this now, I'm getting angry, right? No, it's I got angry, and well, why was I angry? And I got to go back to thinking about that, or why did I do that? Why did I do that? Well, it's because I wanted to. I felt, I felt that way. I felt like doing it, right? Okay, well, if I felt like it, then why? Thinking. You know, we got to kind of, that circle was going this direction. Let's go the other direction. Figure that out. We got to go back on why it is, right? Do you know how often people will go in that circle and go, well, the circumstance is the issue, so I'm going to change my circumstances. It just seems so easy to do that, right? If I change the circumstances, then I won't be doing this. And it may help for a little bit, right? That's why we chase jobs and relationships and all kinds of things, because we're changing our circumstances. But if we don't deal with the heart, if we are not dealing with the idols that are going on, then what ends up happening is we just move that circle with those circumstances on this relationship, and it gets moved over to this relationship. And before you know it, the same thing's happening again. That's why we have so much divorce and remarriage and now they're not even getting married anymore because what let's just avoid it altogether. I don't have to get a divorce if I never get married right there's all kinds of reasons so we 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 try and manipulate all of the 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 pieces in the puzzle without dealing with, with the the true problem there right so I've run over time here I hope that made sense we're going to keep going on this because we talked about the, the, the three things in our heart. We want to guide it. Um, we don't want to follow it. We want to direct it. We want to keep watch over it. Um, we're going to talk about some things next week as well as how we, do, how we deal with these things, right?